0: Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
1: of the Locked on Cavaliers podcast. As always, I'm Chris Manning from Fear the Sword and The Step Back. Joining me today is one of my colleagues from The Step Back. He also writes at Bourbon Street Shots, which is ESPN's uh, New Orleans Pelicans blog, and Bright Side of the Sun, SB Nation's uh, Phoenix Suns blog. It is Brandon Clean. Brandon, Brandon, how's it
2: going? I'm doing well. Uh, Uh, What's your name,
1: actually? Is it
2: Brendan or is it Brendan? It's Brendan, like E.
1: yeah, this is guys. This is what happened. I I put your names, but I apologize. I got the name right now, but we'll, we'll move <laughs> forward from that early mistake. Kind of kind of like the Cavs, we're here to, today to talk to him about uh, PC wrote for FanSided. I along with I believe Blake Murphy from uh, Raptors Republic uh, and the Athletic and, and a bunch of other well, much smarter than me people uh, talked about the playoff rotations for a lot of playoff teams. Um, and it was really interesting. You should go read it. I'll make sure it's in the bio of this podcast description of this podcast, but. Uh, Can you just give us a quick description of of kind of what you were hoping to accomplish with that article?
2: Yeah, so I went through, um, I I was actually struggling trying to come up with which teams I should talk about, but it ended up being that, like we always think, the best teams, the ones we generally uh, think are going to be the best contenders for the championship also happen to be in the top 10 of offense and defense or they're the Cavs, basically, is what I found. So um, I just went through, talked to a bunch of people, and saw kind of the things we should be watching for with the six teams who have the best shot at uh, competing for the championship in June.
1: Yeah, so one of the things that I mentioned to you that uh, hasn't exactly necessarily played itself out is, I, and I, I, I'm kind of curious to see um, how it ends up moving, plays out moving forward. We, we haven't seen a lot of the we, – we've seen those Cavs bench arms, but it's been the Channing Fry at center. Um, former Phoenix Shannon training Fryquincy. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he's been the, the when they've gone the quote unquote small. He's been the guy at the five. Um, when we've seen Kevin Love at the five, it's been for a few moments. We haven't and we've seen some Tristan Thompson when Lou will do the offensive defensive switches. Um, but we haven't seen them like go. I think like Uber small. Like I, they we thought we haven't seen any LeBron at the five either. Um, but it, it's kind of interesting too. Like the the nine guys that the Cavs have gone with has been their normal starters. Now Alejandro's back Corver um Channing Frye Darren Williams and Richard Jefferson um Amon Schumbert obviously played in game 2 but w- for you is there anything about the what the Cavs have done of course Schumbert and, and played a lot in game 2 um is there anything with, that the Cavs have done surprised you or is there anything that stands out to you as particularly interesting
2: yeah i think there's two things um the first i mean as you said it's it's Shumpert. I was just surprised, um, just because I've I've always thought of the Pacers as a team that has a strength on the wing. Um, C.J. Miles obviously has a little story now because of the taking the shot at the end of the game, but he's a talented player. And, Monte and, Ellis, and an
1: ex who Tyronn Lue, like three times in one uh, media availability, called him a Cavs killer.
2: Well, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, and then I mean, Teague is a is a shooter who does a little bit different stuff than most point guards. You you don't necessarily want um Kyrie on him. Uh I just thought it would be an interesting matchup and in that Shumpert would have value in a series like that. Um but I I guess I should just know better and assume that the Cavs will always pick offense over defense. So um I, I guess that was somewhat surprising. I think um it's also been frustrating with how poorly JR has played on defense for a lot of um, the series to see him have to get injured for Schumper to get a legitimate chance. Um, I know that some of that stuff is a team that's been together for so long, has a rotation, they're going to stick to it. But um, the other, the second thing was um, not seeing, yeah, like you mentioned, it's been Fry alone as the the big man with mostly Jefferson kind of playing the nominal power forward um, on the bench. We haven't seen any of the love Fry combos for, you know, too big a stretch. It's pretty much been starters um, and bench, which, um, I guess I was just maybe assuming it, it might be a little more creative. I thought that the Pacers posed a unique challenge, but maybe I'm overthinking. It's a two and a seven seed, so you know it's not like the Cavs really have any reason to be too terrified of the Pacers.
1: Right. Like I'm the. Let's start with the the first team here First, the Schumper thing's interesting to me because I, he's he was really bad at the end of the regular season, but he had his best part of this year when he was playing with the starters when Jr was out, when he was the starting sh- uh, shooting guard, then when he was. Kind of compacted into that what he did. Um, in game two, he at his best he's a good defender, but he slipped. He's not a good shooter, and he's not really a good offensive player at all, except when he can sort of cut when he cuts or gets wide open threes. Like that's sort of all he he's really useful for. Um, he. JR and Korver all re- represent in like in theory these like ideological extremes, right? Like Shumpert is like the the not like he's not like a Tony Allen because like he's not nearly as good a defense as Tony Allen, but he's like just this defensive guy. Like JR is the happy medium of that. Like he it was a really good yeah, defender he- last year. He's a he's a shooter who can create a little bit. Um, and Korver is a at this point in his career he's not a really good defender. He's a good team defender, but he's not gonna actually be able to defend anybody that can actually do anything. But he is an incredible shooter, um, who the Pacers have been face guarding the, this whole se- this whole series, um, and he's he hasn't made a three yet, if I'm not mistaken. So, like they represent these extremes. Schumper to me, like ha- this wasn't the series I thought he might have valued. And I think if and when they play Toronto in the second round, um, if they play the Bulls for for some crazy reason, if the Celtics like do end up losing that series you know, if they play, um, any, you know, if, if they play, let's say like Houston in the finals, something like that, like Schumpert's going to have to play. Cause like, I can't see Kyle Korver like guarding Demar Rosen. Like I cannot see him guarding, um, a guy like Dwayne Wade. Like I, I think there's a lot of problems with that Korver can't solve, but uh, like, you're right. I think the Cavs a hundred percent of the time, they're going to pick shooter plus LeBron and which, which of course makes sense.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you're right, and I, I I think I overestimate Shumpert on offense. From you know, I, I at least imagine him to be playable, and I think you're right that a lot of the time he is, he's far from that. So, you're probably right. Um, I'm also like what' was...
1: from like watching him a lot because like he'll just like do stuff, and you're just like why? Like it just it's just like if you watch the Cavs like at a game to game basis, um, you will just imme- like almost surely see him just take shots. You're just like why Shump?
2: Like well, tr- I think he has, tr- has less tr- value too now that Darren Williams is yes. is playing well. Is yes. it, what, if he if you don't need anybody to handle the ball, then he even has less value. So yeah, you're you're right. Um, what do you make
1: of the Cavs' kind of decision to not like I think like fully commit to the small ball? Right? Like I kind of get it in one sense because Miles Turner is really good and he although he hasn't had a good series and they have Seraphin. Um, and Indiana doesn't go small, but to me it feels like I would kind of be intrigued to see it for like five minutes, something like that. Like LeBron at the five, like without like, or at least without any bigs, if he's not actually playing the five, it was like less than a percent of the team's lineups all year. But I, I think it's like this really interesting thing, right? You could you could put all these stretchy wings out there, a lot of shooting, um, a built-in pick and roll partner for LeBron, whether it's Darren Williams or Kyrie out there. I'm kind of surprised that that's something we haven't we haven't seen.
2: Well, I agree with you because I think. Um, Well, two things. I think um, Thad Young has been just... He has had a horrible first two games. So, I mean, there's no reason to be adjusting for his presence in the lineup and and feeling like you need to be playing a a big man to defend him or anything like that. Um, You know, they should be treating the Pacers starting lineup as something that they can take advantage of. I don't think they need to match up with it as much as they have been. Um, I also think that... Yeah, like you're saying, the Cavaliers have a complete advantage that for something for five minutes, LeBron's going to be able to hang with Miles Turner. He's going to be able to clearly hang with any of the backup bigs that the Pacers put in there. So, you know, the playoffs, why not? I know, you know, LeBron's minutes are a whole other thing, and maybe they're not trying to do that and overexpose him and ask him to do something like that. But I agree for a few minutes, if it's a 15-5 to 5 run, that's the result of it. It seems like something you have to at least try, but... Again, these the the Cavaliers. I mean, something I've been struck struck by the you know if they're the first two games is whether or not the games have been close, which they clearly have. The Cavaliers aren't playing like a team that's afraid of the Pacers. You know, no.
1: I mean, like it it reminds me a lot of the uh, last year. Like maybe not, maybe not quite the Pistons series or quite the Raptors but something like that where they're they're clearly playing a team that they think they can beat, and they sort of know that they're going to beat. I'm um, like LeBron, and I don't know if you saw this, but he was like saying, "Oh, why am I not at Coachella?" Like yeah, at, I saw like, I which, saw that which today, is, which is like an incredible like LeBron James troll job, you know? Like it's an especially
2: ig- because the games have been decided by like a combined ten points or something. Like it's not like it's been a breeze, but I I just don't think they have respect for the team, and no. something like that is like a you know. They're not breaking the glass on the fire extinguisher if that LeBron offensive juggernaut lineup is something they go to. It's probably not going to be against the Pacers.
1: Yeah, like, this is something, and we're going to get into this, um, but I kind of, like, wonder how much, like, the Cavs, like, like. The, there's a lot of very smart best people that are smarter than me about the game of basketball that, like, are, are kind of, like, wondering, okay, the Cavs have to play defense if they're going to win a title. They have to do X, Y, and Z if they're going to, like, repeat. I just like, don't know if they're actually going to like show that right now, right? Like that seems really like dumb, and I, I think there is a certainly a ceiling on how good they can be on defense with their with their roster construction, because um, not like they don't have they're not like loaded with plus defenders, they're not loaded with guys who are going to be really gritty or like you know or uber athletic and you can mold into in defenders with in smaller roles. Like there's gonna be limits, but like I don't think like how they're playing against the Pacers is like a really like good indicator of like what they're gonna look like if they do make it to their third shirt finals. Like the Cavs' offense right now, like they're running you know a lot of pick and roll, like a lot of one three pick and roll, three one pick and roll, with Kyrie and LeBron, like and they're getting love post ups. Like they're just exploiting mismatches. They're not like committing to some of the stuff we we necessarily saw last year, like deep into the playoffs.
2: Yeah, and I mean I don't I don't know if if the Lou hidden defense thing is even gonna. I, I have no idea what's going on with that. I think that's a whole separate <laughs> conversation about coaches being ridiculous people. But, but I yeah. think... I mean, I think that um, this gets to the, the main thing that I did want to talk about that I do, did notice that, um, you know, I, like you said, it's a different perception having your point of view, seeing the games day in and day out, but I, maybe it was just the playoffs last year. I have this big, um, built-up fascination and, and I really like Tristan Thompson's game, but... Um, I think some of the weirdness on defense in this series you know letting a team like the pacers who you know they have talent but they're not somebody who should be racking up point totals in the 110s um thompson hasn't been the safety valve that i always you know expect him to be when i turn on a Cavs game um you know they're it's weird though because I don't know how to necessarily adjust for it because there's plays where suddenly the ball's kicking around and Thompson's running out to the three-point line to contest a shot. You know, it's which clearly should not be his job, but it's like sometimes it feels like he's the only guy that's you know hustling or or focusing on defense at all, which makes it really hard to judge or you know what what the other guys are going to start doing once the games matter a little more.
1: Yeah, 100% agree there, and we're gonna get to that more in one second, but uh, take a second to let our listeners know. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by BetDSI. dot That's BetDSI. It's a betting company. They've over twenty years in the business. It's a top rated sports book. Uh, you can look it up on any sports book review site. They're gonna be highly, highly rated. And you're not gonna have any problems with BetDSI. Um, right now, this they are. They have a great mobile product, easy to use from anywhere. They have live in game wagering. You can make Plays throughout the game and events like if you're watching a Cavs game you can bet on it throughout the game and keep having fun and, and keep betting and trying to win a t- ton of money uh, they have great customer service that's available 24 7 365 days of the year so if you're betting at 2 in the morning um, you're watching a late game watching Clippers jazz or something like that you're gonna be able to use bet DSI they have a built-in reputation on fast payments for winning so if you if you win big you're not gonna have to wait a month or something like that you're not gonna get you have to be worried about am i actually gonna get my money you're gonna get paid right away uh, by Beththias i it's a great product I recommend it and uh, right now if you register you get 25 dollars to try the service and you get a 200 per 200 percent bonus excuse me not 200 200 percent bonus on your first deposit with a promo code lock 25 for the lockdown podcast network that's lock 25 get a 200 percent bonus on your first deposit and you're gonna get 25 free dollars to try the service just for registering. Why not just register? Have some fun with you. you get twenty five free dollars to bet. Bet on the calves and Pacers on Thursday. Bet on whatever you want. You get that two hundred percent bonus. That twenty five dollars for just registering. But use that promo code LOCK twenty.
0: Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over three thousand hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M.
1: Five. Again, 20 years, 20 years in the business for Bet aside. They're top rated, great mobile product. You can bet in game. And you're going to get free $25 and a 200% bonus on your first deposit by using that promo code LOCK25. What more can you want? So Tristan, it's a really interesting question with Tristan for me because I think, like, he he clearly benefited, to, in my opinion, from coming back um, after getting, like, a couple of days off. Like, that, his game streak was incredible. Um, he deserves, like, a lot of credit for staying healthy and playing through, I think, some tendonitis and stuff like that when other guys... In similar situations, it might have taken off, but it was almost to a fault at a certain point. Like I, I, do think like there's something to be said to to the fact that he needed a rest. Like Tristan Thompson, I think functionally just needed like a couple days off. Um, I, I think if I don't know how this would necessarily prove metrically. Like I, art because like you, individual defensive stats as you prob- as you know, I mean, they're not the best way to evaluate a guy. Like yeah. they have a lot of flaws. Like RPM, um, has built-in flaws even in. It's it's hard to argue about an individual defense. Like, no one's going to say, like, LeBron James is actually a bad defender. He just doesn't try. But, like, if you look at the stats, it says he's, like, a terrible defender. Um, the Cavs probably only have, like, two, like, really high-impact defenders. And that's Tristan because he can switch because he can do some rim protection. And LeBron James, and that's only when he's really going out, which we haven't seen in this series against Indiana because he's only defended Paul George for, like, a whopping six minutes or something like that. Um, I mean, I, I think the Tristan thing – I almost think his value, because he's a, like a, an elite offensive rebounder. But I think him as a rebounder when he's playing some five with no other bigs on the floor, um, and just boxing out guys and actually just keeping things contained is almost his best his best use. Uh, because if you, you see how the Cavs have defended, a lot of it is in this series. Like yes, they're giving up a lot of a lot of points, but I do think you have seen them be more willing to rotate. Uh, the way they're defending Paul George is they're just gonna let J.R. Smith let him, the Jair's going to kind of give him the lane and there's going to be someone else there. The problem is like when it's Kevin Love waiting there on the block, like there's just sort of a limitation on how effective that is.
2: Yeah. I saw your, your post about um, the way that they're guarding and that they hadn't noticed it, but um, it definitely, I mean, it plays out well for them most of the time, but it is interesting with Thompson because Um, especially like you're saying measuring the the impact of an individual defensive player Uh, most of the time the the only thing we can rely on with data like that is rim protection but Thompson is a different kind of big because most of his value on defense doesn't rely on big block numbers and things like that Um, it is his ability to switch and so um, I wonder also if if it's sort of playing against his strength to to do this with George although you know they won two games so um, it's hard to argue with the end result. But um, another thing, I mean, and I, I listened to a podcast with David Thorpe. Uh, he was on the Low Post, and he kept harping on how great Zach Low, uh, Zach, Lowe, uh, Kevin I mean, Loves. Zach, wow, Zach Low.
1: I mean, Zach Lowe Shout out to to. He he's the
2: not really too solid at rim protection, as <laughs> yeah. far as I'm aware. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But no, Kevin Love. I mean, he he's kept saying no. Kevin Love's a better rim protector than you think. It's the people behind him that aren't rotating. So I tried to watch for that, and I think it's decently true. I mean. I think Thompson, it, it might just be a, a factor of that's not how the Cavs typically play defense. So, when, you know, if, if they're put in a situation where they're rotating on the interior in the paint, they don't look good doing that. But it's also because, you know, when they're at their best, that's not the scheme they're playing. They're playing one on one defense and they're switching everything. So, I think, I mean, I, I, it's not necessarily a great answer, but it really is hard to judge um, Thompson separately from the Cavs being either not focused or just not that good um when he's on the court
1: yeah i think the the love thing is interesting just because he uh, had i think he's very willing to put his body on the line but there is like an athletic limitation on what he actually is um like as a rim protector like even if he's just yeah. bodies like he's just not gonna block shots like i think the Cavs, um in a perfect world which is why i think like this the, he's not gonna play right now but why i think like the eddie Tavares signing for them is pretty interesting um because like Defense,
2: I, I, the d league defensive player yeah, of the year right
1: yeah, like was like literally in like he was incredible with the raptors 905 um and we'll see how like well it actually translates but he's like a ma- he's like a mammoth human being um like i don't like i don't know how many times like you like walk by like nba players there's like some that like you're just like okay like you seem like like a normal-sized human being for yeah. me like like when eddie Tavares made his debut at the queue and i like walk by him in the hallway and whatnot um just a mammoth human being, like, the last time I felt like that, just, like, sort of, like, just overwhelmed, was, like, Giannis was, was, it was very, like, kind of crazy to see in person, and seeing Zebo, those were, like, the, the other two that I was just, like, holy crap, like, and, like, and, like, he, Tavaris isn't, like, what is not like quite as intimidating as, like, a Zebo, but he's, like, he's massive, but, and he moves pretty well for someone that size, and he and he like can block shots, but like he's not going to help you right now. And I almost think like you maybe need a guy like that to kind of say to fix a lot of the Cavs' issues. Like a um, peak was really useful and it improved the Cavs' defense because of that. And he was that was like a half a year thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, and I the thing I have to remind myself about too with with Thompson compared to other guys who may have the same impact on defense is that he's six like six nine. You know, yeah. like he's not that kind of guy. Just like Love isn't that kind of guy. They're not going to jump. And have their hands stretched over the rim as a shot attempt goes up. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna play more with their body. They're gonna be in the right place, but they're not gonna be the kind of DeAndre Jordan type rim protector that's slapping balls across the court. So it, it's just a different kind of thing, and I think it inherently puts the Cavs at a disadvantage. So it's hard to blame any one component, which is why when we see them at their best, it's just a crazy smart and intelligent series of rotations that's getting them to the right place, which makes it more impressive, but also makes it that much harder to do, I'm sure, for those guys, and understandably, you know, why after three years, they maybe aren't inclined to ramp up that switch to 15 every time they get the chance.
1: Yeah, like, if they're, if they're I don't think it's, like, that concerning that they're not, like, ramping it up against, uh, like, the Pacers, right? Like, the like Indiana has its, its limitations, um, like you're seeing, I think, like, you'll see a different LeBron as the playoffs go on, like, if they play Toronto, like, I think you may see him try to lock up, like, being assigned to DeRozan at times. Like, I, th- I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, I think they did that somewhat last year. I, I do think it looks, like, interesting. Um, like, I think, like, whatever lineups they end up using, like, I don't know if they can escape the fact that they're going to have defensive issues. Like, I- I'm a big, like, proponent that they- I think the Cavs are probably going to, like, smoke through the East, you know? Like, I don't think Boston actually can beat them. Um, like, I don't think, ter- I think Toronto give them a good series. I think Washington could as well. But I don't know if any of these teams like actually can beat the Cavs. I really just don't think so. But at the same time, like if a team like Washington, for example, let's say Washington in the Cavs win Eastern Conference Finals, Washington has like a guy in John Wall who's like kind of built to really make Kyrie's life suck because he's going to put Kyrie in his heels, and Kyrie is not this like uber athlete um, in terms of being able to like adjust. And, like he and when he works hard, he can get in your way, but it, that's not going to necessarily work against a guy like Wall who's so fast. Um, it's harder to, like, play Corver when Bradley is probably going to play 36 minutes, right? Like, yes, they, they don't have an answer for LeBron James, but, like, the Cavs are going to have these issues where, like, they might have, to, like, all oh, gun teams, and that's, like, not exactly, like, an ideal um, situation. Like, we, we all know this stat. Like, no team that finished outside the top 10 in defensive rating has won the title. The Cavs, like, right there last year, and it was just, I think, like, just kind of, like, a lot of patchwork stuff, and I sort of don't know if they can necessarily hit those same levels this year, even though, like, Anyone who actually will like t- if anyone actually tell you like Matthew Dellavedova is like a better fit for the Cavs than Kyrie, like they're crazy. But like <laughs> like trust like people say yeah this. yeah like but like <laughs> like, De- like Delhi like is like functionally like it a- a- gonna like be more different on defense because he's not gonna do what Kyrie does in offense.
2: Well, I think one of the things that uh, you mentioned Wall, I think that's the exact kind of player that worries you if you're if you're wondering what the Cavs will do because. I mean, I think one of the only things that's worked really, really well for the Pacers, part of the reason that they've been so successful on offense is Paul George specifically, but the team as a whole, you know, Lance and, and Jeff Teague included, have done a really, really good job of putting pressure on the Cavs in, in transition. I mean, that's a, you you have to do that if you're going to play them well, but they've done a particularly good job. I mean, I I, I know LeBron kind of sometimes will just defend who, whoever he's interested in defending on a given possession when transition um comes quickly, but I also think that they've done a good job, and and Wall is the epitome of that. He's going to do that better than any player in in the whole league, maybe. Um, so I, I do worry. I think that there is a certain kind of team, but I also think again, like you're saying, Washington's going to have to have the best series they've ever played as a team to to have a chance, even with the built-in advantages that you know that Wall and Beal have. So, but I actually have a question for you, and it goes back to what I. Uh, to what you had told me when when I was writing the piece, which is, you at that point it was like you know the beginning of March, right as Smith was coming back and Corver was coming back, um, and it was uh, the thing going around was that this these players haven't been healthy at the same time because the Love was hurt and Smith obviously missed a bunch of time. Do you think that there will be a point in time when the best five people in a given matchup or just overall? are going to have struggles because they haven't played together that much this year? Or do you think it's just it's been three years outside of Corver so it doesn't really matter?
1: I think that could show up against Golden State. That's sort of where I like a team like Golden State, a team like San Antonio, perhaps a team like not necessarily Houston. Um, I like Houston and how putting that offense, I think, could be interesting for the Cavs if that happens. And I guess it could happen against Washington, right? Because I think if you look at – like, even if you just look at, like, the the, the data versus half-court and and, and transition defense for the Cavs, they're, like, a lot better when they can actually set up and, and kind of, like, work and communicate like that. And you're, I think you've seen them in the Pacers series, like, talk more than they, they might have in the regular season. I think that's something we've seen. But I think like when you're in transition, so much of it is like just kind of knowing where other guys are gonna go, right? Like if you don't know if like Jr is not like we've seen him out of hilariously out of position. Um, I will send you these like clips that I, that I made from this like the Denver game. Do you remember that? I don't know if you like watched that game, but like when they got like throttled in Denver.
2: I, I I don't think I watched it.
1: Okay, so like they 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 go to Denver, and Denver of course like because of Jokic, because of Gary Harris and Jamal Murray and all these guys, like a really really good offense. Um, highest offense out, of, out of any non-playoff team, like, best in the league or something like that since, like, mid-December. Um, like, just, you know, Jokic himself is incredible. There's yeah. all these clips in this game of J.R. Smith where he's not really defending, like, you know, like, an, a super good scorer, right? Like, the, the Nuggets don't have, like, that didn't have that type of guy this season. He's just hilariously out of position. And, like, there's one instance where, uh, J- Jameer Nelson just, like, cooks him off the dribble. He, um like makes a pass and jr just instead of like realizing he should have like rotated to the back i'm like i think it was a wilson it was gary harris or wilson chandler is one of the two he just chased uh, jameer nelson the other side of the court and then like realized he should have doubled back and there's just like stuff like that where it's like you can't do that type of stuff like if you do that against golden state like they're like you're going to be leaving kevin Durant open or you're going to be leaving yeah. like clay thompson open and like that's when you just well that's when you're screwed and if that team's playing fast, like, if, goal, if if it's not, maybe, like, the risk of it isn't necessarily as, like, bad against, like, Washington, right? Like, as good as John Wall and BLR, are, like, leaving Otto Porter, although he's, like, a, been, like, a really good shooter, isn't, like, as bad or as problematic as leaving open. Like, a, like when the Warriors go death lineup and it's like, oh, we left Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant open, like, it's just not as big of a problem, but I think it could... Um, cause a problem for them. I, but I wonder if like, I, I, let me ask you this as a kind of a follow up to this. Do you think like that or the, just the inherent like limitations of their players is going to be a bigger problem?
2: I think there's a, a certain aspect. I mean, I, I do think that we will see uh, to put a cap on the, will they, won't they get better sort of question. I, I mean, as an outsider to a certain degree, do I do think obviously there is a, a next level for them um, but I, I, think part of the thing with the East is why I believe like you do that they'll have such an easy time for the most part getting through it is there's not also you're talking about, you know, the wizards and the, the warriors are two good examples of how different two teams can be because the war, the wizards, while yeah, auto Porter is going to make a corner three, if you leave them wide open and Beal and, and walk can both put pressure in and make a shot. Um, there's not any other team in the East that's going to be able to go small as effectively as Golden State or Houston could. That's going to, you know, put a different kind of pressure on the Cavs than they're used to. To have to play a lineup that maybe isn't as comfortable together or have to go to some crazy measure like moving LeBron up and down positions or things like that, having to rely too much on Kevin Love at the five on defense when you need his offense in that spot. Those aren't decisions they're going to have to make against any team in the east unless you know they one of those teams brings it to some level we haven't seen yet so i think yeah they're going to have a bigger problem with the limitations of those guys when a matchup forces them to go small i mean we haven't really seen san antonio cleveland ever in any legitimate matchups that matter so it's hard to imagine that kind of thing but i don't imagine like a team like that's going to really push the Cavs too much because they have a guy who's going to be able to stop Kawhi Leonard, you know what I mean? I worry yeah. much more about teams that force them to adjust than teams that, you know, just do what the Cavs are expecting really well. That's not too difficult to to plan for.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Because I think, like, the the thing, like, people harp, like, Kyrie is not a good defender. Like, I'm not going to sit here and, like, tell you, like, that Kyrie, like, is a good defender because he's just, like, he's not. But, like, teams that I think cause the Cavs the most problems are one that can, like turn the the problems like they have with Ky- like they the create by attacking Kyrie into something like more like systematic. Like if 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 Stephen Curry cooks Kyrie off the dribble and the Cavs have to like adjust to, to Curry because he's you know a two-time MVP and just an unbelievable player. Like it's if Clay if it's Clay Thompson like coming like like as the safety valve. Like that's a lot harder to deal with than if like John Wall like beats or something like that. Like I, I, like there's just like another degree to it. The Spurs are interesting because. Like, LeBron and Kawhi would, like, almost, like, sort of, like, p- like push each other. So, it's, like, is, is like, how are they going to deal with Aldridge? Um, you know, is Deadman, like, you know, Impact Love in a meaningful way? And, like, the Spurs don't go small. Like, they just don't do it, which is, like, I kind of get why. Um, but if they decided they were going to go, yeah, like, we're going to go small. and We're going to go, like, Patty Mills or, or T- Tony Barker, who's been really good in, in two games for them. And then Danny Green, Jonathan Simmons, Kawhi, and... Uh, LaMarcus, like that's a, like a very athletic lineup, and that's like more almost more athletic than anything the Cavs would really do. And I and I think one thing that's it's worth learning about the Cavs is that that lineup that's like kind of small that they've used that they always use them in the second quarter. The Darren Williams, um, Kyle Korver. LeBron James, Richard Jefferson, Channing Frye lineup that we've seen the first two games we saw in the regular season that that lineup is very limited athletically. Like LeBron is an uber athlete. Richard Jefferson, when he is like fully going and he can like just still yam on people, um, but like Channing Frye and Kyle Korver are like very limited ath- athletically. And Derrick Williams is like has been as good and just flashes of doing some really impactful things, but he's not like a high level athlete anymore either. And I, and I think that sort of matters too.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. The Spurs thing was what I what I talked to uh, Matthew Tynan about for the piece as well. Was, I mean, is there any chance—I mean, you're seeing it—again, it's, it's a similar situation with what the Cavs are not going to pull out all the stops against a team that's not intimidating to them. The Grizzlies cr- clearly don't worry the Spurs, but you see a series like that where they could clearly take an advantage and just say, Deadman's going to play 30 minutes— Marcus and Zach Randolph good luck stopping his rim runs every possession down the court Dedman doesn't score but he would in that situation if, if Popovich decided that's what he was going to go for instead they're playing Mark's brother and they're just matching what the Grizzlies do so yeah I think that um I mean that's a, a sidebar about the Spurs but I, I it, it leads me to the bigger point of why I'm not so worried about I just don't think that Pop would do something like that and I think that again we kind of have to take these series with a grain of salt but we have especially with Popovich we've never had a reason to believe he would do something like that so Mm -hmm. I just think teams that play big are the Cavs are going to score too much for those teams to really be able to to do much about it I know traditionally the teams that have worried San Antonio are teams like the Thunder that can just sprint and run around and Steal passes and all those kinds of things, because that's something San Antonio just can't handle. But I also don't think the Spurs would be able to score 120 points a game in a seven-game series at the end of the postseason. So,
1: yeah, I, I think you're right about that. Um, I, I think obviously like Golden State's like the the kind of the, like the doomsday for the Cavs. Houston, I think to an extent, too, just because of how willingly they bomb they bomb through. For you, is Washington the biggest threat to Cleveland in the East, or is it is it Toronto or maybe even Boston?
2: Well, I think those both of those teams have been a little uh, uninspiring in the first two games of their series. I mean, um, the Bucks almost went up 2-0. The Bulls did go up 2-0. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, 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 seriously,
1: like I understand, like pro to Isaiah, like he's going through something that's bigger than basketball and just like a lot harder to deal with. But like I can't figure that out. Like I watched that game and I have I have literally no idea what's like make of how the Bulls are up in that series.
2: Yeah, I just think any series where you're a one seed and you're getting like handed by uh, handled by Robin Lopez in a meaningful way is worrisome. I just think the 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 Celtics don't have the interior anything to keep up with the best teams um, and the biggest teams. So I, I think even if they pull that series out, um, it's not going to happen for them. And the and the Raptors, I think it's just time. I I don't want to overreact, but this is something we've been worried about for how long now. The Cavs didn't have any trouble with them last season and and they yeah, they got better on defense. I think PJ Tucker and Sergi Bach are, you know, players that are going to be helpful against players like, you know, LeBron James and Kevin Love. But no, I think definitely the 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 Wizards are who I would be worried about. I just think Wall is for whatever reason doesn't get national attention and and, you know, hasn't been on consistently winning teams, but he is if I were defending him, I would be terrified. I mean, more than almost any player in the league, just the fact that he can keep up the all-out style and, and make smart passes on top of it, and he's a better jump shooter than he was when he got into the league and can reap the passing lanes. It, it, I would just be there. It, it, the Cavs don't have an answer for a player like that, and you know, not many teams do.
1: Yeah, 100% agree with that. And like their bigs, too, I think... Um... They're certainly like a team that's gonna play a little bit bigger, and they can't really go small. Like I guess, like it, it's if they go, like you're you're putting either Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre, on LeBron, and like that's not that's not great. <laughs> like neither of those are ideal, especially if it's like Oubre, no. um, like he's he's gonna really struggle. But like Gortat, Gortat, like Gortat against Thompson's like a, a rebounding thing that's interesting. Um, Keith against like, against Kevin Love, I think Love's like definitely the better mm-hmm. player there. I, I think there's like some interesting things, and and I think the wall thing is sort of important. Let me let me ask you this, and then I kind of wanna we'll wrap this up. Uh, Ky- we haven't talked much about Kyrie, but I think he's sort of like to me the the guy that if you wanna like put the most kind of issues on how the Cavs defend, like it's a pick and roll league, and like he is terrible at defending the pick and roll when he gets attacked in it. Um, for for him, it's a just like not he's not always never going to be like a great defender, and he does so much offensively that I think makes up for some of his defensive issues. For for you, do, if he, if he just plays like with like effort or at least just like is kind of playing hard, like he has in, in certain games so far in the playoffs, would that be enough for you to maybe like change what what he like sort of is considered as a defender? Like what what do you think it would take to kind of shift? what people think of him on that end. Cause I, I kind of can't figure that out.
2: Well, I think that the thing about the Cavs that makes it, I think besides the fact that they're, you know, the defending champion and they have the best player in the league, that's going to br- bring its own form of attention. But I think part of the reason that their defense specifically, I mean, it's easy for even, you know, any fan that turns on the game because when the Cavs start to struggle on defense, that picture is guys running around, flailing their arms, pointing to offensive players you know things like that that make it pretty obvious and and i am assuming pretty embarrassing for the players on the court to have it, those it mistakes always, happen it,
1: yeah you're right it never looks good like it never exactly. like it, it never is just like some like Paul George um, like has had some like really big moments in this in this series so far and it's like he just he just like they don't track him and it's like why is paul well, how did you leave paul george like how like did open you like for not three tra-
2: you yeah. know like yeah. Yeah there's no reason there's no excuse for that yeah. so i think that's part of the problem and Kyrie, uh, you know even on simple actions like a you know like a slip screen something that golden state runs all the time it, it those things it, it's either you know it's a combination of um obviously we don't know what's going on in his head but from from watching it's a it's a combination of the the lack of speed and agility to to maneuver the way he needs to and you know occasionally just lapses in, in focus where he's just not Paying. He's not hes not trying to get to the right guy. He's just in the wrong place. So I, I think that half of that equation can be solved by greater focus. But I think you're right. I mean, less about whether he's mitigating his defensive struggle with his offense. It's just hard to ask that out of a guy, you know, mm-hmm. to, like, to match so much, so on, much offense. on
1: offense. Yeah,
2: yeah right. and especially those minutes without LeBron. Um, those have been pretty impressive in the Pacers series, I think. Um, and I just... Yeah, I, I don't know how much you can really expect out of that guy who's already at a disadvantage defensively, um, and is being asked to do so much offensively. Maybe the key then is, you know, a, a big series from Love, a bigger series than works used to. But I, I think that's that's probably not in the cards either. So I, I don't know. I think it's just going to have to be something they live with, to be honest with you. And Williams isn't too much of an upgrade either. He's probably he's, he's downgrade. So yeah.
1: He, yeah, he. I think he's definitely a downgrade, um, especially because like when you are playing with Fry, like it, it just becomes not great. And, like the, one of the lineups that I think like the Cavs could use, like and you mentioned this like way back at the beginning of this podcast, like Thompson and Shumpert like could be a good in theory, like a good defensive lineup. But you can't really play them together, like it, it just kills your spacing. It, it dares teams to leave two guy, to leave at least one guy in Shumpert completely unaware. Um, and and if a team's getting really daring, they can try to leave Thompson at least someone alone and just bank that he's not gonna kill them. Not on the offensive glass, would you mind? Anyway, let me let me pitch you this Kyrie idea as as the second to last thing here. I think for him as a defender, he's never going to be like all defense. Like I don't think he gets like as a as in terms of a good defender. But I think like the guy that I think he sort of, if he's going to be like the best version of Kyrie he ever could be, there's two guys to me that come to mind. The obvious one I think is Curry because they're sort of similar in size. Like they're sort of similar in what they do, and Curry's not like a lockdown defender either. But he works really hard and he and he's a smart team defender. Like that's what he is. The other guy is Harden. Um, I think Kyrie, like in a lot of ways, like has sort of the same like ability to like body to have body control and like sort of dictate pace in the way Harden does. Like I think they're, like he's not quite as good at it as, as Harden is, but he has some similar, similar things. Harden is like not a good defender, but he does so much on offense, and he just like this year and two years ago when he was the runner-up in MVP. Not last year when he went back to being mad at or Harden, um, and just like the worst defensive like star in the league. He just, like, at least does, like, enough where it's, like, guys aren't getting easy buckets. I think that's all Kyrie needs to do. And I think if he did that for, like, one regular season, I I generally think people would, like, think differently. I kind of just would like to see what would happen if, like, next year um, Kyrie comes out and, he you know, he's not, like, a good defender. But he just, like, works around screens and, like, isn't dying on them all the time. And I I feel like that would just, like, go a long way if you build that up over, like, 40 games. And then, you know, if it slips a little bit, it slips a little bit.
2: I think you're right. I think the first couple games of the uh, the finals last year, um, I think he's a guy who can he he's, he can generate steals if he's focused and if the games matter enough. Um, he has the on ball, you know. He's not a tall person, but he does have, like you're saying, he has the body control and the the size to to be a pesky defender in that way. I think if he's engaged, he's going to at least be able to do that. Um, and that's a skill that, uh, you know, certain players don't have. I mean, Isaiah Thomas, like, as an example, there's just certain players who won't ever be able to body up on a guy or be able to control, um, you know, a ball handler on their way to the hoop. So I think that's a, a something he can do better with. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I also think he's probably pretty th- thankful that Damian Lillard's in the league because otherwise he'd be the worst uh star point guard, offensive point guard at defense in the league, but Lillard exists, so Kyrie doesn't have to worry too much. Okay,
1: well, let me ask you. This is this is interesting. Kyrie gets, like, I think, like, maybe I'm, like, just more aware of it because, like, I, I consume, like, a lot more caps than do like, Blazers stuff or something like that. I kind of think he gets, like, a worse rap than other guys, though. I don't know if that's, like, me being, like sort, like, sort of, like, too close to, like, one specific situation, but, like, I don't necessarily think, like, a guy like Lillard or a guy like Isaiah, like, necessarily – Gets like, like critiqued as much for it. Or it's like labeled as much as dude. Is that am I wrong in saying that or no?
2: I think that it's just because the Cavs are com- going to like compete for a championship profile, or every yeah. year. Yeah, but I also think I mean, to- a guy like Thomas gets a pass because he's as tall as I am. And, he, and I mean, you he's know, he's
1: been he's been like just unreal this year.
2: Yeah, well, that too. I mean, and then Lillard is yeah, he's on a team that barely cracked the eighth seed and is probably going to get swept. So I, I just think. When you're on a team like that, you just get more is expected of you. I think that's. I mean, I, I don't get. I think it is overblown to a certain degree. There's so many other things to focus on. The amount of like Kyrie hit pieces is a little strange to me, considering he's not even the best player on his own team. But you know, <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, like, look, like we're we're never gonna get out of the Kyrie like analytics. Said Kyrie's bad thing. Like I feel like that's just like, like I don't know. I just like see what he does on offense, and I just can't like think it like. That that guy is like not useful. That's sort of like what I think, you know. Yeah,
2: right, we're on the same page. I yeah, agree. Yeah, I, I, think I think it's all weird.
1: Yeah, it's super weird. Uh, basketball. I mean, people really people, basketball is weird. Um, let's, <laughs> let's let's wrap it up on this last thing. The Cavs in a, in a tight game. Um, based on what you've seen, based on what you know about the team, what do you think their like lineup? If they need to like win a tight game in the finals, let's say against Golden State, what do you think the line that they should turn to is?
2: Huh. I think LeBron at the four, I mean, you go back to the time when they actually did that is the last possession and, and Love somehow pulled the best defensive possession of his entire life out of his pocket and decided you know he was gonna do it which you know you you can't there's that, that's gonna that clip is gonna play forever and anybody who talks in 20 years about Kevin Love's defense there's gonna be some kid with a gif of that possession saying well look at this you know so I think it's possible and I think at the, the highest levels it's it's gonna come out more so I mean it would be Kyrie JR I don't know who would be at the three I mean Korver maybe just for the offensive help um Jefferson played a, you know, he's been a played a big role any time that the Cavs have had success against the Warriors in the past several matchups. So I th- I think that might be it. Um, but I think those four guys, um, Love, LeBron, Jr. and Kyrie, um, would have to be in there. And then I guess it would just depend on you know, the specific matchup for who that third player or the you know guy playing the three is.
1: Yeah, I I think I agree. I think like R.J. might have to be the guy because he's like more switchable. But like Shumpert to me is also good to sort of play that role, and I think like you how how he played against Paul George to me was pretty interesting because I thought he did a really really nice job. Like I thought he was physical, like I thought he was engaging, like that's all you sort of need out of a man Because if he's dribbling, if he's shooting, like that sort of uh, isn't isn't great if you're the Cavs. You don't want a man actually doing stuff.
2: Yeah, I think a guy like you know if it's Kevin Durant or someone like Kawhi Leonard, somebody like that, then. Whether, you know, LeBron might take that matchup if it is in an, an end-of-game situation anyway, but Jefferson's going to be better for the bulkier guys. Whereas, you know, I think Schumpert's a really pesky defender. I think, yeah, he he, he kind of got in George's head more than anyone had been able to. Um, made George give up the rock a little bit and mm-hmm. whatever. So, yeah, it was. It, it, I, I think that they should go to it. I don't know if they'll have a choice. If if Smith can't play, you probably would know better than me what that status is, but...
1: Yeah, I think it was really interesting because, like, he said he, he could have played but they they held him out. Like, he said after the game to, like, a bunch of media that was there, like, that he – that had, like, tracked him down um, while some pressers were going on uh, that he he could play, which is interesting to me. But, like, I kind of think, like, they went nine-man, Shumpert didn't play in game one. I kind of wonder if, like, you have to maybe go that 10 man rotation. Like, I kind of wonder if, like, you have to – consider doing it because of what Schumpert provides and I wonder if there's like a I, w- I generally wonder if there's like a series where and if it's Toronto or something like that if it, if it ends up you have to like go with Schumpert over Korver just because of the defense like I wonder if that's like a I, th- I feel like that's a possibility and that's not something that that's something that I think that, that sort of presents a problem for the Cavs because like ideally you want that to be like the same guy every night and you want that player to hit threes and play defense but like they're, they're not exactly they haven't exactly like, those guys are unicorns like that elite three and d guys yeah yeah exactly like those, like those guys don't exactly exist in a way i think a lot of teams like every team except for golden state probably could like use one of those guys like every team needs like a danny green or something like yeah that. or like a jj J. reddick's like a really good example of like a good solid team defender korver from two years ago is like a really good example
2: of that. yeah with the, the the best hawks team yeah
1: yeah uh for you where do you think the Cavs end up
2: I think they'll be in the in the finals, and I think, I mean, I wouldn't have guessed, I, I wouldn't have and probably didn't pick them last year when they were in it. Um, and this is obviously a better Golden State team, a better Houston team, and probably a better San Antonio team than last year. So whoever they're going to face in that, it, it'll be a toss-up, I mean, at best. I think that they are they have a long shot just because of all the struggles we've been talking about. They don't have the benefit of, you know, mixing and matching and and trying different things out and and hoping like they do against a seven seed pacers team so when the stakes get higher i i think i'm gonna lean toward those west maybe not the rockets but the other two i might lean toward you know trusting them a little bit more but i think that at the end of it it's probably going to be golden state and cleveland and so i i think it'll be both teams at their best and i don't know they, the warriors team that already was up three one and got the best player second best third best whatever in the league uh I don't know, but they'll be there.
1: Yeah, I I think I 100% agree with you. I don't think it's going to be something. um, I think it's going to be harder for them to win it this year that it probably necessarily shouldn't be a surprise, but um, it's going to be interesting nonetheless. But, uh, Brendan, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Just tell everyone where they can find your writing and find you on Twitter
2: uh yeah um step back probably most right about the suns for espionation at right side of the sun and then uh at brendan clean 14 on twitter yeah and actually uh as you
1: listen to this podcast right what you should do you should go right over the step back just google it if you don't already follow it on twitter or you have the, the bookmarked we're both i believe in the rotation uh the nightly recap of last night's nba action over at the step back along with guys like jeff siegel um, and Wes Goldberg, we've heard on the show as the host of Lockdown On Heat, um, and we got a whole great crew over there, so you should definitely go check that out. Um, I think you wrote about um, Clippers, Clippers, Jazz, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Yeah, I'll be writing about Clippers, Jazz. We have a bunch of stuff from each series, so
1: yeah, it's a it's a great way to catch up on everything every night. But uh, this has been the Lockdown Cavaliers podcast. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with a three kind of a quick look at Cavs Pacers Game Three. Um, a game a, a game that the Cavs go back to. They go to Indiana, a place that's been hard for them to play historically, um, and, and it, it gives them a chance to go up 3-0 and potentially sweep over the weekend and uh, advance to the second round pretty quickly. But uh, thanks again to Brendan for coming on the show today. Uh, this has been Lockdown Cavaliers. Thanks again to BetDSI. Use that promo code LOCK25. You get 200% bonus on your first deposit and 25 free bucks to bet. Um, again, we'll be back tomorrow. Check out all the other pods of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Give us a five-star rating and review.
0: At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10:31:17.